Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Uh, not much, Mike, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. Are you Are you excited? We have a, a special guest this evening. I am beyond excited. One of the uh, one of the originators of really long, uh, ranting off the wall podcasts from from years past, Mister Mark Roberts. What's going on, Mark? Hey, I thought you were going to say long, boring podcasts, which is I, also uh, true. You, well, usually back in the day, we used to be a little bit more drunk when we were doing these podcasts. <laughs> For, the, for those of you out there who don't know, uh, Mark used to do a, a daily fantasy basketball podcast and uh, really is the only, probably the reason why this podcast exists because he contacted me, contacted Tyler, and we, we used to do that podcast all together. Yeah, those were the, those were the good old glory days, right? Yeah, this is the, this is the reunion pod. There you go. So the re- reason we got Mark on the podcast is because over on hashtag basketball.com, Mark has uh, – what year is this again? What, how many years have you been doing uh, fancy projections? Year five of officially uh, publishing them online. Officially so sanctioned. Yeah. I did two with uh, Rotowire, and I did two with uh, the dailyfantasybasketball.com, podcast.com, and then this is my first time with uh, Hashtag Basketball. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, those are on Hashtag Basketball.com. Go check them out. Um and really, we're going to go just basically start asking some questions about, you know, why did you make projections? How do people use projections? Why didn't you just do some straight rankings and, and not explain why you've you've done your projections? And throw throw your projections under the bus um, for a while so uh, you have to explain why you actually did what you did. Cool. But um, even more impressive, and this is – I want to get to this level uh, – is that you were actually these these projections are sponsored dot com and uh, I'm aware of no halftime dot com they, they, I've played with no halftime dot com before but they're actually a fantasy sports app that allows users to create one on one fantasy matchups uh, all your favorite sports and I know Mark loves loves this app that's right it's really cool so if you like uh, if you like daily fantasy the action of daily fantasy but you don't want to put in all the work this is like the perfect this is like the perfect app. And I, I say that tongue in cheek, but it, you know, it's, it's really kind of true. So all you have to do is you pick one player that you want to uh, bet on is probably not the right word, but which is, you wanna, which is usually Darren Collison. If I remember correctly, <laughs> one player you want to back. And the, the cool part is if your friend wants to back a different player, like Mike, I, I don't know if, if you and Tyler are friends or not, but, you were theoretically friends. Uh, you <laughs> enemies, of, don't lie. <laughs> you could pick one of your favorite players. Tyler could pick one of his favorite players, and you enter it into a no halftime contest. And the winner wins however much money you decided to put on the line, whether it's five bucks each or twenty-five bucks each or fifty bucks each, whatever you've agreed to. What's really cool about that to me is, like, whenever I play daily fantasy. I always feel like I can find like five or six players that I really like, but by the time I try to get them in a lineup and worry about the salary cap and try to get like every, you know, try to spend every last dollar that I have, there's always a couple of guys I don't like in there. And those are the guys that ruin my lineup. And and like the people that I really wanted to bet on or 
uh, predict we're going to have a good game. They still had a good game, but I won no money. So this yeah, is a this, cool way to get around that. Yeah, this full lineup uh, daily fantasies are almost like a full time job. Well, you know, I, no, no halftime allows you just to go. All right, George Hill um, isn't that good, so I'm I'm gonna take Darren Collison over George Hill, and then I lose. But uh, it's it's yeah, a really quick way players. to go one on one. Yeah, you can pick bad players, good players. Um, you can play against random random people online or your friends or a lot of different ways to interact with it. Um, I do have a promo code for all of your listeners. Oh, brilliant. They, yeah, if they use the promo code BALL, B-A-L-L, uh, sign up. I think they get five bucks. Is, is that uh, in memory of Lonzo Ball? Yeah, absolutely. Noah, his dad. In memory of his dad uh, being taken down in mo- anything he's ever done. Uh, didn't he play one-on-one versus someone not too long ago? I think he challenged Michael uh, to one-on-one. I know he, he challenged actually, Jordan. He, he actually played against Ice Cube and he lost. He got destroyed. In the big three against Ice Cube. Yep. I didn't know yeah. Ice Cube could play basketball, but apparently. Oh, Ice Cube can ball. You didn't know that? And if you guys ever want to take Mark's money, just just let Mark pick Yamahimi. You can pick anybody. Mark will go against you. He loves Yamahimi. That's true. That is Mark's one of his favorite players. And Absolutely. I'll have to see how he projected. So uh, thank you, No Halftime, for uh, – sponsoring mark for doing those projections because i use those projections to do a, to do a lot of my uh, analysis before the season starts so uh mark what let's just go into your methodology so i someone already threw you under the bus i didn't even have to do uh any research to throw you under the bus um on reddit earlier today so if everybody goes out to fancy b-ball the subreddit um Bengali Mamba 24, which is a eh, it's a pretty good name, kind of called you out saying, hey, how am I supposed to use these projections? I don't understand them. Some of these pl- uh, teams look like their points per game are way off. Uh, you have Golden State with like 120 points per game and Utah with 81 points per game. Uh, what am I doing here? How, how am I supposed to use these? And, um, and basically, what, why do you make projections instead of rankings? Yeah, so I mean, the reason that we that I started on these, and the reason I I I thought it would be useful actually is because um, you know, and not to discredit anybody's rankings or analysis, but um, you know, if if you use if you look at the rankings that are often used on the what I would call the big sites, right, ESPN or Yahoo or whatever, um, you can discredit them all you fine. <laughs> No, there's there's definitely good people that work there, and there's smart people that work there. But the rankings they put on there are usually, um, they usually have rankings. They usually have projections, and there's no there's no real correlation between those two things. Like, um, they'll they'll put like an auction value and a ranking next to a player, and the projection for that player. Um, if you kind of just take the name away and look at how good that projection is, it it, it doesn't have a lot of correlation to that ranking, which was frustrating to me. Because, you know, really a, a ranking you can get to in a very, like, mathematical way. You just say here, you, you can value how much a player is worth using Z-scores. And so um, I don't – the rankings I do are not subjective. They're totally, they're totally like, uh, math-based. We come up with a projection for the player. All those projections are, are uh, assessed, you know, with Z-scores, and then a ranking is kind of spit out. So sometimes I get questions like, hey, why did you put – Dennis Schroeder 52nd and, you know, George Hill 53rd. Those aren't real rankings, but 
Um, you know, yeah, you that got essentially, like, right essentially you, have, you have Al Horford 31st and Bradley Beal 32nd. But yeah. you're you're not ranking them. You're not saying, all right, Al Horford's better than Bradley Beal, or saying Al Horford is the 31st best player and, and Bradley Beal's the 32nd yeah. best player. At you're no point you're putting this into an algorithm, basically. Absolutely, yeah. At no point did I sit down and say, you know who I think, you know, based on what I know and, like, putting my licking my finger and put it into the wind, I think Al Horford's one spot better than Bradley Beal. No, I, so what I did is I come up with a, a projection for each player, and I'll, I can give you a little information how that works, but yeah, be, you know, I mean, feel free to go into it because um, I'm kind of interested. So it, it kind of looks like you. St- I don't know if you how, where you start, but it, most of it looks like it's adjusted based on minutes per uh, per game. Yeah. So, so the the base the basis of this really the the fundamental starting point is that um, with with few exceptions players generally um, on a per possession basis produce about the same statistical output every season um, there are some there's some like a career curve so players in their second and third year are generally better than they were the year before and players in their 13th and 14th year are generally worse but um, on a per possession basis NBA players are like incredibly consistent um, year over year in, in their, their statistical production. So it's a bit of a bell curve, right? So, you know, the, some of the early guys, they're some of those people where you, if you're just doing rankings, you're not doing projections. You're like, okay, who's my second year player who's going to take a leap? Instead, exactly. you're, you're taking their stats and going, all right, if they did take a leap, what would that look like statistically per possession? Right. So what I start with, like uh, for every player, I'll look at their last three years on a per possession basis. So, Take away the pace that their team plays at, which makes it, you know, has a big impact on their stats. Take away the minutes that they've played per game and just look at their stats on a per possession basis. So, like, uh, I have LeBron James pulled up in my system right now. It's three years ago, he averaged 36 per points per game per possession, per 100 possessions. Two years ago, he averaged 36 points per 100 possessions. Last year, he averaged 35 points per 100 possessions. Um, you know, so if your brain, is, like even without mathematical formulas and, and all of that, if you were just to say how many points you thought he'd get next year, you'd probably pick somewhere between like 34, 35 points per 100 possessions. Yeah. That, and that's, you're right. That makes a ton of sense. Um, so do you kind of, um, I guess, lump those players into, into um, sort of like categories saying like, all right, here are my young players. Here are my uh, guys who are in their prime where they're going to be consistent. They're still going to be high level. And here are the guys on the tail end of their career. They're, they're going to drop off. And then is there a consistency with how you would uh, adjust those three different types of players? Yeah, that's a good question. The first year, that's exactly how I did it. As I said, you know, um, basically based on the year that you are in the league, here's what generally happens to guards to uh, wing players and big men the next year. But it's evolved a little bit since then. And I think in a way that makes is, is even better. Uh, what I do is for all of the players based on their per possession production, I identify similar players. Um, so it's based on their, their stats. It's also based on their age and position. So like, uh, give me, give me a player that you would, we can use as an example. Um, let's go with CJ McCollum. Okay. Let me pull up CJ McCollum. 
So what I would have done, let me. It's a little interesting because he's still kind of young. He's had um, kind of a jump up over the last couple of years. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, CJ McCollum, uh, let's see. So for, and, and again, you know, I think people would say last year was, was, I don't know what you call it, a breakout year for CJ McCollum. Kind of I mean, a, would. I mean, I, he definitely jumped, right? He, he definitely looked yeah. like he was going somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think a lot of that had to do with Portland playing at a little higher pace him playing a, a little bit more playing time and him shooting a little bit better, but even, you know, again, if you look, let's just focus on points for a second. Two years ago, he averaged 30 points per 100 possessions. Next last year, he averaged 32 points per 100 possessions. So it improved. So what I would do is I would kind of average those out um, along with his prior season. And then I go look for, you know, I have a, a statistical algorithm that identifies similar players. So for example, some players who have similar seasons as uh, CJ McCollum had last year was Ben Gordon in 2008. Uh, Joe Johnson in two, that way back in 2006 is a pretty similar season. Clay Thompson in 2015, Ray Allen in 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 the year 2000, Pedro Stojakovic in 2002. Uh, so you're going way back. You're you're going yeah. the way back time machine. Yep. Any player that that kind of measures out on a per possession basis as being a very similar player, I'll look at those seasons, and then I'll look at what happens the next season with all of those guys. So in general, that group of similar players I just read to you. Um, you know, they got a little bit better. They made about 10% more threes per 100 possessions than they did the prior year. So I think, oh. yeah, if CJ McCollum kind of follows that trend, he's likely to increase his three-point production again this season. Well, I hope so because uh, he is a keeper in one of my leagues. Uh, that'd mm-hmm. be great. Uh, uh, this, is a lot more, this is a lot more intricate than me just looking at two players and go. Uh, would I rather draft Clay Thompson or would I rather draft Marcus or uh, whatever? That's how I'm, I'm doing my rankings. This is actually um, got a historical background. Uh, you're, you're putting a, a ton of effort into making these projections. Yeah. So, so what I do is, yeah. So we run through, I run that through for every single player. We look at their historical performance. We kind of look at what similar players do and come up with a per 100 percent possession projection for the next season for 2017, 2018. Uh, and that's really the science behind all of this. The art comes in when, when we start, when I start trying to assign playing time to each of these players. So I feel, I feel pretty confident that the per 100 possession projections I've come up with are, are, are pretty good, at least baseline of what we could expect uh, statistically speaking. But then, you know, I try to go through for every single team and assign out, all of the minutes that a team has to each player. Like an, another thing that's always been frustrating to me as I've looked at other projections is that you'll see, um, you know, they'll have like four or five of the people in the starting lineup projected for like 36 or 37 minutes a game. And then they'll have a couple people off the bench getting 24 minutes a game. And it's just like, there's no way that the, all these players play these, this amount of minutes. So, so you're going team by team, looking at their depth chart and saying, all right, there's this many minutes to go around for these positions. Here's what I think their rotation is going to be. Um, and then do, do you adjust that as you see more evidence on, uh, on their rotation throughout the preseason? Yeah, so let's stick with Portland for a second. And, and the other thing I look at is how the coaches have uh, historically uh, uh, doled out minutes. So, for example, like there are some coaches that play, you know, 
at Minnesota, Thibodeau plays like a ton of minutes. His play, his starters a ton of minutes. So I've got minute, I've got the Minnesota starters projected for way more minutes than we would some of the you know the Lakers, who I don't think they played anybody over thirty minutes a game. If they Ingram might have been right there last season. Um, so we take that into account when I'm I'm projecting minutes. But yeah, also you know if I'm uncertain about what a uh, what a lineup's going to look like, I try to reflect that uncertainty in their playing time. Like Portland's got a lot of big guys who could or could not play minutes this season. Davis, Noah Vonley, Myers Leonard, Zach Collins. Um, I mean, they're all probably going to play behind Nurkic and Al Farouk Aminu, but who plays and, and how many minutes they play is, is honestly, to me, a mystery at this point. So I projected, uh, I think Collins, Ed Davis, Noah Vonley, and Myers Leonard all about 18 minutes a game. As we learn more about what's going to happen to their rotation, say Collins kind of emerges as the as the first guy off the bench, then his projected minutes are going to go up. And correspondingly, let's just say Myers Leonard falls out of the rotations; those minutes are going to come from Myers Leonard. Yeah. You're also doing this as like a, a total minutes, right? Not. I think some people make the mistake of they do it like each position gets 48 minutes in a single game. And they don't account for the fact that LeBron James is going to miss five games this year, and this guy's going to miss five games. And right. you're looking at it as like a total minutes throughout the season, um, which I think really helps make the numbers a little more sticky and a little more realistic as far as the teams or what their guys are actually going to play. Yeah, exactly. That you know, durability is definitely taken into account. It's hard to project how many games a guy is likely to miss, but it, it is good, I think, what this what these rankings value is the fact that if if a guy's missed a lot of games in his history he's going to drop down the rankings because i'm only going to project him for you know say 70 games instead of 78 or 80 games but you're right so so the goal for each team in a season has so if they have 48 minutes per roster spot and there's or for per uh rotation spot there's five rotation spots and they're going to play 82 games it turns out to be 19,680 minutes per team. And so every single team in these projections has 19,680 minutes assigned to them. And that makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of, um, I think what a lot of people do is they, they look at something like this and they do start looking at it like a ranking and that's just not what it is. But also um, some of the things that, people will disagree on is, is minutes that some of these guys are going to play. And we can, we can stick with Portland, you know, Nur- Nurkic on here on your uh, projections. You got him today at about 29 minutes per game. Others see, you know, Oh no, there's no way he's going to play 29 minutes. He's going to play more than that. And, and you adjust on kind of as you get more in information, but on over on hashtag basketball.com, you can actually go on to the individual player and do a custom projection based on how many minutes you actually think these guys are going to play and, and then use that for your specific draft. Uh, would you, like, how would you suggest people use this when prepping for their upcoming fantasy drafts? No, that's, that, that is really a cool tool that is available on a, on a hashtag basketball is you can change the playing time and see, see, see where that player would, would, uh, would come out. Um, so the projections are essentially intended to be a baseline. Like what they really are is if you, if you could, it's a mathematical way to look back and say, 
historically speaking, what's a good baseliner? You know, maybe a different way to look at it is what's an over-under? What's a good over-under for each category for this player next season? Now, hopefully, you know, people are smart enough and you're probably, your listeners are probably smart enough to have their own opinions about players to say, you know, I like Nurkic. I think he's going to beat his over, what, what would be his over-under? And in that case, you're going to want to draft him higher than I have him ranked. Or maybe you don't like Nurkic and you want to drop him down your draft board. But the, the idea is if we kind of put everybody at their baseline expectation or their, you know, what their over-under should be on each category, that's that's pretty consistent across all of the players. And uh, it's a good way to to kind of see how, you know, if you didn't have any opinions on any players, how, how everybody would rank. So you're basically setting the line and saying, you know, this is a healthy starting point for projecting what's going to happen next year. And then you feel free to take your own biases, your own opinions and, and, and move or maneuver that around. But the, the baseline for each one of these players here is, is built in, um, in fact, in historical statistics, in playing time for each one of these teams. And it gives you a, a, rea- a reality actually to build your own rankings on based on your league uh, settings. That's right. I mean, there's, so you can get on here and disagree with the projections all you want, and there are probably good reasons to. You you have some piece of information that suggests they're wrong, but there is a defensible, uh, statistical, statistically valid reason that every one of them got set where they got set, with with exception maybe to the playing time. I mean that's that's sort of subjective, right? I I did my best based on what I know to to based on historical patterns and what we know about rotations at this point what I think is going to happen. I got some input from some pretty smart people, including Tyler. Um, but you know, it's, it's you didn't mention me in that list. Did, did you, uh, did you reach me as list. well? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, I mean, it's just that, that part is honestly kind of a guess and that's the biggest variable. Um, that's the biggest variable in these projections. And, I've said it for, I think, going on five years, the most important stat in fantasy basketball, the most important singular stat is minutes played. Um, that's just the, you know, that's the most critical one. You've got to have guys playing minutes to be productive. Um, yeah, that that used to be our mantra back on the old pod, and that, that is still our mantra on this new pod as well. And we're trying to beat that into uh, people's heads as we do our team previews, uh, which we're about halfway through. Those team previews are brutal. <laughs> sounds fun uh speaking of playing time how, how many minutes per game do you think Nurkic played last season in Portland oh why do I always get asked the the, the random question that I'm not prepared for he, he gets uh, mad that I that I ask him these questions because he he always never wants to answer he's afraid oh I don't 29.2 Mike no I don't have any 29.2 hint hint 29.2 Google it and just know um 29.2 anyone could Google I was gonna go with 27 Yeah. Well, so that's been interesting because, you know, I've spent like the last three years of my fantasy life telling everybody they need to draft Nurkic and how good Nurkic is. Uh, I I took a fair bit of grief from Tyler amongst others. I was on, I was, I was on your side on that one. I've always been a Nurkic fan. Um, And now this season, I feel like I'm getting the reverse of people going like, why do you hate Nurkic? Why isn't Nurkic, you know, why isn't Nurkic going to play 35 minutes per game? And the truth is he's just never done it. He's never played his highest per game uh, average in minutes uh, in his career is 21. 
uh, minutes is, per game. He, he played 29 in Portland last season. I think he'll be around 29 or 30 next year. I can tell you haven't been listening, Mark, because I gave you a lot of credit for, for turning me on to Nurkic in the last episode. So I can tell you haven't been listening. Oh, I'm glad you've seen the error in your ways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he finally came around. Um, and I think that goes no, to something. No, see, that I came around, though. I'll, I'll defend myself here, okay? It was that I said he was never going to get the minutes, and he still hasn't until now. Right. I mean, he 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 is a very like uh, intriguing player, though. Like the the amount of steals and blocks and rebounds that he puts up on a per possession basis. Um, he's averaged at least sixteen rebounds per one hundred possessions for three straight seasons. Um, he gets a bunch of steals. He, he scores a lot. Like especially in a head to head league, if you're punting present uh, percentages and turnovers, uh, like is usually my recommendation. He is a he is a great great player. I'm still worried about the thing I've always been worried about, though. He still fouls like crazy. Yeah, he does. There, there's no doubt about that. Although his foul rate uh, has been the one thing on his per position stats that have been a little bit inconsistent in a good way. Uh, three years ago, he was at nine fouls per game. Two seasons ago, he was at eight. And last season, he dropped down to six. So uh, per 100 possession. So, you know, I, I think there's some reason to be optimistic there. Yeah, so let's just keep going with Nurkic. Um, you have him playing, uh, you have him right at 99th uh, based on, the, the algorithm has him at 99th. Yep. And that's based on 29 minutes per game and 65 games played. So, you know, someone who has always liked Nurkic, like both of us, uh, set, looks at that and goes, no, this guy's going to play 79 games and he's probably going to play 32 minutes a game. You can make uh, some adjustments and and move him up your board accordingly. Right. So at that at that level, I would think he is in an eight category league. If like you're ignoring turnovers, he's probably a top. Uh, I don't know. He's probably a top thirty, top thirty five player. Yeah, he definitely he definitely bumps up into the, into that probably around that forty range uh, or even somewhere above that, simply because of the tools that he has. And this kind of goes back to something we've talked about recently is that if you have a metric, I, I can give you his, his uh, projected stats oh, yeah. at that. Those he plays 32 minutes a game. I've got him for 15 points, 11 rebounds, uh, two blocks, one still and shooting 48% from the field. I mean that, yeah, that's a hundred percent up there. Three assists, which is, is nothing to sneeze at for a center. I'd much rather draft him at that level uh, than Vujovic at, at the 28-minute per level. Nobody's ever been happy that they drafted Vujovic, have they? No. Nobody, nobody ever ended the draft and been like, ah, I'm so glad I got him. Including, awesome. the, uh, including the Orlando Magic. <laughs> so... But no, this goes back to something we've talked about. If you have a metric and you're using it, or you have projections and you're using it, they have to pass the eye test. And and you're talking about exactly um, that, is that if you look at Nurkic and people think he's going to be a top 10 player and play 36 minutes a game and 80 games, that's ridiculous because that eye test doesn't pass the fact that he fouls a lot that he has never played more than 30 minutes a game. And so if you're, if your metric is injury prone, right? Like, yeah, that's something we learn all the time is as players escalate the amount of minutes they play, they are more likely to get hurt they, or they're just not durable. So 
man, I almost don't know if I want Nurkic playing 36 minutes a game. In fact, if I, if, if I had Nurkic and he was putting up huge numbers at 36 minutes a game, I'm probably trying to sell him because I know there's a chance he's getting hurt. Yeah. And if you're, if your metrics don't reflect the eye test doesn't reflect reality, then they're not a very good metric. And I, I think these really do. Um, I would suggest everyone go out to hashtag basketball.com and, and use these when you're projecting what you think is going to happen this season. They're going to be, you're going to be adjusting those. Um, how often are you going to be working on that? Uh, I try to do an update whenever there's, I, I try to do an update at least every couple of weeks. Uh, there's, there's usually enough roster movement, but if there's, if they're like a little while ago, Pond, Quincy Pondexter got traded to the Bulls. If there's just a small update like that, we'll put it in kind of a ad hoc. So they're they're fairly up to date. Um, every player on every roster at this point is is put into those rankings, and proje- there's a projection for every player on a roster. So we try to we try to keep that up so as often as the rosters change. Cool, that's great. So. Um... I think a few things we wanted to do is just one, ask a, a handful of questions about what your projections actually show. And then two, just tear them apart and throw you under the bus for old time's sake. Cool. You... Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So right. ready. Yeah, surprise player ahead, first. I got it. Surprise player. Oh, okay. surprise player. Yep. <laughs> this was not um, on the prep. This was not on the prep uh, questions. Um, so first guy I want to talk about Rodney hood. Okay. <laughs> wow. Now, Good. Okay. I was coming out firing. I, I'm okay. excited about this. Hey, jo- Joey wanted me to take Mark to task on this, so I, I told him I would. Um, okay. So, Joey claims that Rodney Hood is going to take a much bigger scoring role on the Jazz with Gordon Hayward out. Rodney Hood did average 14.5 points a game two years ago. Mark, hating on Rodney Hood, ranked 127th at only 13.8 minutes a game. Or 38 points a game. I'm sorry, in 31 minutes. So, what do you what do you got to say to defend yourself, Mark? Yeah. So, when Ronnie Hood averaged 14 points a game, which I don't think is like, I don't know, that's not super promising to me. But uh, he averaged 24 minutes, 24 points per 100 possessions last season. He averaged 24.6 points per 100 possessions. So, he actually scored a little better last year. Obviously, the the decrease in scoring came last year because of a uh, playing time predominantly uh the jazz actually played a little faster pace last season which helped him as well but his minutes dropped from 32 minutes a game to 27 minutes per game which um you know is is the reason his scoring dipped below 13 um you know i think there are times like uh, the jazz roster may be one this season when people had just have to just score more than they've ever shown that they can score before but generally speaking players players perform pretty consistently uh, no matter who their teammates are. There are very few players that I think can kind of uh, go outside themselves and, and step into a different role than, than that they're just used to. I think a lot of that is just narrative. And actually what I've noticed in the cases where that happens, where somebody just, you know, fills a scoring void where, where they, they, you know, they're not the number one option on a team, but that they're kind of forced to do that. Um, they end up taking a lot more shots. Their points per game might go up a little bit, uh, but generally what you'll see is a decrease in their, in their field goal percentage. Um, and for fantasy purposes, that, that pretty much makes them, uh, uh, their ranking makes them so that they're, they're ranked essentially in the same place. So 
I think if Rodney Hood bumps up his his points per game very much higher, my guess is that comes with a corresponding decrease in field goal percentage, and his ranking would stay about neutral. But I'm not convinced actually that Rodney Hood scores any more points per game than he ever has before. I think I think being in that 24, 25, I actually got him about 24 points uh, per 100 possessions that season. I feel pretty good about that number. Um. I'm actually with you there. Joey thinks you're wrong. I'll just let you know that. But um, I'm more in your Where camp. You stand behind I, your convictions, Tyler. You I do think. Now, here's the thing. I do think that might up his scoring is that I think with Ricky Rubio on the team, I think they might get a few more possessions and play at a tiny bit of a faster pace, just because Rubio can get a few more steals for him. They got Cephalosha, uh, who's a good steals guy. So I think they might try to get out in transition a little tiny bit more with Rubio on the team. It's certainly possible. The biggest concern with me for, for Rodney Hood is his ability to stay healthy. You know, we saw two years ago, we saw him play 32 minutes a game for 79 games. That would be awesome to see again from him. Actually, you know, he obviously wasn't healthy last year. He missed, what, 23 games. He only played 27 minutes per game. Um, he wasn't one of – didn't feel like he was one of their core players by the end of the season, and now he's kind of their number one scoring option. So I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty there. I think I think you could say I think it's reasonable to say hey you know what I think Rodney Hood's going to go for 18 points a game this season but as far as an you know if you were setting an over under I feel pretty comfortable with where I've got him right now. Yeah, this is almost a perfect example of how to use these projections. If you personally are looking at the Jazz lineup and you you take Ricky Rubio's ability to to find open people into account and you start thinking about well who's actually going to take shots on this team with Gordon Hayward out and you think Ronnie Hood's going to get a lot more shots, add three to four points on top of his, on his point totals, give him another assist and then put him into your own rankings. Yep. That's, that, that, that's exactly what you got to do. I got to, what, what's your opinion on that, Mike? You, you think you should do that or you think we've got Hood right about where he should be? Uh, I just, I don't know where Utah's going to get their scoring from. So I'm actually I'm a little bit more positive on on Hood being someone who could get up closer to maybe 16, 17, but the the leap that people might think he's going to take I don't think really translates to fantasy. A couple more points and maybe like an extra half a three a game doesn't terribly excite me when you look at the rest of what Rodney Hood can do at at, a, at the pace that he does it when it comes to steals and, and blocks and assists. I think the other thing that, you know, so I've got him at 29 and a half minutes per game, which I think is a pretty fair expectations considering he's definitely outperformed that in his career. Uh, But we're also reflecting the fact that he has some durability concerns and the Jazz have a very uh, promising rookie who's, who's, who's sitting right behind him on the depth chart. Like if Rodney Hood performs um, the way he did last season, I think there's a chance that it's probably not the most likely scenario, but there is a scenario where he loses minutes to Donovan Mitchell or Exum breaks out or something. And so I think just penciling Rodney Hood in for 34 or 36 minutes a game is, is a mistake. Yeah, definitely. And actually I was looking at some of the minutes you have out here and I, as always, I can't go really, I can't go any length of time on a podcast without talking about the Chicago bulls. Um, the highest uh, Chicago Bulls that you have. Are they still a real team this year? Uh, they're technically not playing in the G League, but I think they've scheduled a few <laughs> G League teams. 
And uh, actually, I was just saying I heard uh, Cameron Payne got uh, hurt, so I actually upped their win totals. I, I do have to say this. So um, what I what I usually do is I go through and put a, a playing time number on every single player, and then I go through and look at each team, and I rebalance the minutes. Because usually, even though I I'm like cognizant of the fact that not everybody can play, you know, a bunch of minutes, I usually overestimate the number of minutes on a team and then I have to kind of take minutes away from certain players. The Bulls were one of the only teams this year and one of the only teams ever that I came off too few of minutes for. <laughs> I couldn't find enough good players to assign minutes to and I had to I had to go in and kind of like you're okay, like, I guess I better give a few more minutes to this guy. I guess I better give a few more minutes to this guy. It's very bizarre. Mark, that's because like, you're playing small forward after the all-star break for them. <laughs> I might need to. Yeah, like you're anyway, like, why why didn't I give Felicio 30, 30 minutes? Oh, because it's Cristiano Felicio. Yeah, somebody has to play for him this season, I suppose. But it's uh, it's not promising. And, I, you know, in a way, I kind of had to cheat because I put a bunch of minutes for Dwayne Wade, and I suspect he will may not even play for the team this year. So. I think he'll start um, beginning of the season, and I don't think he'll last into the new year, though. Uh, the, that buyout is coming, but that you, people underestimate how cheap that front office is. So it's just <laughs> going to be a stalemate. They're just going to stare at each other across the court for at least two months or so. Wade's going to uh, exclusively never get back on defense, and they're going to not want to give up any buyout money. Is that how this plays out? It works out if we're losing games. Who cares? Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, actually, that's kind of what I want to ask, you know, yeah. when it comes to doing these teams, was there any team that was particularly hard? It sounds like the Bulls were. Is there any other team that was particularly hard in trying to figure out either the rotation, uh, the minutes distribution, um, or just the roles that these players are going to play? Yeah, the cool part this season was there are no new coaches in the NBA this season. Every wow. coach Is that a first? Every, it's definitely a first for me. There's been times when it's been like half new coaches – Every coach who coached um, is coaching this year coached last season. And so I got to see what their rotation looked like with their current team. Now, of course, players move around, which makes it a little bit difficult, but it was much easier this year than it's ever been just because there's coaching stability for the first time ever. Well, hopefully that changes. Hopefully Hoiberg is fired within the next week or so. Uh, But when looking at, when I looked at what you did for the bulls, uh, I was really surprised that Chris Dunn, is your highest projected player? Yeah, uh, and that he bumped up a little bit after um, after the Cameron Payne injury. Um, some of Payne's yeah, that, what a terrible sentence that was. <laughs> uh, some of Payne's. I mean, I think he's the definitive starter, right? At, at this point, I, he has to be. He's the point guard of the future. Yeah, Jerry and Grant is there, of course. There's still plenty of minutes to go to him. Um, I mean, I mean, look at it. Who else is Robin Lopez has consistently been a 26 to 28 minute a game guy. I don't see any reason that's going to bump up, but I do expect him to be a starter. Dwayne Wade. I don't expect to get more than about 28 minutes per game, which is I think right around where he got last year. Um, I think the the only thing I would have to disagree with is your evaluation of uh, Nico Miritich. Okay. Uh, You got him about 24 minutes a game. I understand he's still under, uh, he's not even under contract right now. So there is a lot of uncertainty about what's actually going on there. But I don't see a world where if Nico Miritich is on the Bulls, where he's not predominantly featured in the actual offense. Because I see one. They they need to move him for uh, second round draft picks, probably, and then trade those draft picks for Doug McDermott again. 
if he comes back on that qualifying offer, I really don't think they're going to give him that many minutes. I mean, how many minutes did he play last season? I think he played exactly 24 minutes per game. Fred season, Hoiberg hates him too. That you got to put that into account. Season before he played 24.9 minutes per game. The season before he played 20 minutes per game. Like, I don't, I didn't feel compelled. Like you said, he's not even on the roster uh, to give him a lot more minutes. Frankly, I really like Miritich. He's one of those guys that on a per possession basis, like I do my rankings. I actually look at the rankings before assigning playing time. He's one of those guys that ranks, he's consistently in the top 100 and, and, you know, depending on the season in the top 50 on a, a per possession basis. Um, so I'd love to see him get more playing time. He gets a lot of, you know, he gets shoots a lot of threes. He gets a lot of steals and blocks. Uh, he rebounds a little bit. He scores well. I just, there's nothing in Fred Hoiberg's DNA that tells me that he's going to, he's going to play more than, uh, you know, half the minutes. Well, this is the, the, the only hope I have is to see Nico play 32 minutes a game this year for the Bulls because that's the only way that product is going to be worth watching. So maybe it's just wishful thinking. And so, Ricky is one of those guys that's going to play like 11 players all uh, 23 minutes a game or something. Oh, I know. That's what he did last year. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and on it, I mean, we're joking about Hoiberg, and I've thought he's been a terrible coach since about game two. Um, yeah. which is, you know, I've had plenty of opinions, which have been wrong. That one's proven out to be right. Um, but that, I take that into account. Like I look at um, Fred Hoiberg's rotation for the last two years. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I think is a aberration, but other than that, uh, Pau Gasol played 32 minutes a game. Derek Rose played 32 minutes a game for him last year. Dwayne Wade paid 30 minutes a game for him. Other than that, he's never played anybody over 30 minutes per game in any of his rotation. He likes to put the guys right around like 26 to 27 minutes per game and have a bunch of guys sitting there. Well, and I think we see this too with other teams that are young is that they try different guys in big minutes on different nights. And so like one night, you know, Denzel Valentine will get 30 minutes and then the next night he'll get 15. And so I think that Valentine is another one of my favorite guys. I hope he gets playing time this year. I've got him slotted in for 24. I'd love to see him get more minutes, but I, I just don't have a lot of faith that Hoiberg's going to get him in, at, at least until Dwayne Wade's off the roster. I'm with you there. Yeah, we um, actually recently did for the Deep Dives um, podcast over on Hashtag Basketball, did a Central Division review. And um, this is really Fred Hoiberg's chance to, to shine because he's not having to argue with Jimmy Butler in the offense uh, this is he has the full confidence of a really terrible front office, and so if he can if he can coach, which I really haven't seen that, but if he can coach, he's got the person he's got guys who at least fit somewhat of what he's trying to do in certain spots. If he can coach, let's see it. Let's let's see you actually do it. Uh, what surprises me is uh, someone like um, was it is it Brooks in Orlando? Yeah, uh, he does the, the same coach? stuff with Frank, his minutes. Frank Vogel. Oh, it's Vogel. Who yeah. am I? Th- where did Brooks go? Uh, Scotty Brooks. Yeah, he quit, man. Washington. Oh, he's in Washington. That's right. I get those two. They, those guys look alike. They do. Kind of, yeah. No, they don't. You guys are crazy. They must be the same dude. But they do the same stuff in Orlando, and Orlando has a, a weird minutes distribution as well, and that's reflected in the projections. Yeah, you want to talk about them for a minute? Yeah, absolutely, because a lot of people, similar to Nico, a lot of people think if Aaron Gordon suddenly gets a, a lot of playing time, he's going to be a breakout candidate as well. And 
Yeah, he's one of those guys. So you can tell there's a few guys that have got it like 29 and a half minutes, which basically means like I think they should get some playing time this season. Um, there's evidence that they should get some playing time. They should get into that 30-minute threshold. But I'm just – there's something holding me back from getting him there. Um, that's where I've got Aaron Gordon right now. Last season, same coach. He played 28.7 minutes per game. You know, it's not like Aaron Gordon wasn't the most talented player on that team too. It's, you know, it's not like uh, the rosters really changed that much. So I, I don't have like a great reason. I have, I don't see the Frank Vogel quote saying, I made a huge mistake last year. I need to play Aaron Gordon a bunch more minutes. He's just a better player than anybody else on my roster. Like, I don't see that. Uh, I don't see any reason other than we all know Aaron Gordon is good and should be playing more. To, to bump him up to the 30 to 32 minute range. And so I've got him right in there at 29 and a half, which is, you know, again, I tried to set it at a, a, a place where you could equally go over or under. I think you can make a pretty strong case. It could be less than that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think they added Isaac, right. Who his probably best position in the NBA is at four. Um, it's not like they can move one of those two guys down to the five because they've got Vucevic. They've got Biombo. They even signed Mo Spates to play as a big man, so I I really don't see Vogel. Is, yeah, they're kind of they have a disaster of a roster. Right, I just don't see Vogel going all out for Aaron Gordon, which is unfortunate because, like you said, Aaron Gordon is probably their most talented player. But and it's too bad for Jonathan Isaac too. Honestly, like I think he's a very talented player. Uh, he projects well, and there's just not a spot for him. Like as untalented as Orlando is and as kind of discombobulated as they are, they don't have a good spot for their rookie to fit into, which just means that the cycle is going to continue. And in like a year and a half from now, we're going to say, we think Jonathan Gordon's or Jonathan uh, Isaac is good. We don't know for sure. We haven't really seen him in like a steady, consistent role where, where the team is built around him. And so now we don't know if he's good or not. And it feels like they probably have like what, 11 or 12 of those players on their team. Yeah. Yes, the whole team. We've given up on Mario Hazonia. Uh, that's too bad. I still, I'm not giving up on him until he gets out of Orlando and to a better place. And they, uh, but yeah, probably pretty likely that that's going to be a bust. He's like a Stauskas that can dunk. <laughs> I still think he still thinks he's the best player in the league, which is I, kind of fun. I, I said that. I said this on the last podcast. I think I said he's the most talented player who can't produce a stat. <laughs> yeah, we. I think, got, a, I think he would be a good six man on the right team. Um, yeah, we got a, I, we got a good phrase for the, those types of guys on uh, Twitter. It's called the cream of the crap. There you go. <laughs> All right. So is it my turn now? Do I get to, do I get to, no. Oh, come on. I was excited. No, take him to task. All right. So many new faces in Philly and you still yeah, have, talk about Philly. you still have Dario Sarge in the top 75. I, I, I yeah. just got I got to know why. So again, it's not like I, I went through and said, okay, I think Dario Sarge is a top 75 player. Who am I going to put him over? Uh, so let's start off by talking about his minutes. First of all, Sarge, I'm pulling up his, his stats still. Uh, he's, he's showed evidence last year that he's very durable, right? Like the fact that I've got him projected, he played 81 games last year. The fact that I've got him projected for 80 games, this season boosts his ranking. If you go to his per his per game rankings, which is an option on the hashtag basketball website where you can kind of ignore the games projection and just look at the uh, 
per game projections. I think you'd see that his ranking drops a little bit that way. Um, the other thing is, you know, they've got a lot of young guys. Sarich played 26 minutes a game. I've got him projected for 27 this season. Uh, I don't know if that's a starter or if that's coming off the bench. Um, I don't know if I have a real good feel for what their rotation looks like. They've got some new faces, but I would be surprised if they go away from Sarich in a big way. And that's kind of what I've reflected in his in his and, playing time projections. What are your guys' thoughts on on his playing time? Well, here's the thing I'll say about it. that This is the thing I kind of like about it because I've been a big supporter on this podcast of I don't think Joel B can stay healthy to play even anywhere near 70 games. Yeah, I've got him for, what, 57, which I think so, is about yeah. right. So I think that's going to open up some minutes, for, some extra minutes for Sarge and also some extra shot attempts. And I think Sarge could easily be a guy who gets kind of undervalued in drafts this year because – Oh, Ben Simmons is going to play power forward slash point guard, and you know Embiid is going to take up a lot of the shots, and Sarge is going to kind of be on the back burner. And I, I think Sarge is going to have a big role in this team. I, I just wouldn't be surprised if he figures out a way to play. You know, uh, on a per possession basis, he's a pretty good scorer. He gets a he gets a lot of rebounds uh, for you know a small forward, power forward type. I mean, he I think his passing is is more often applauded. Um, but really, he, he averages 11 or almost 12 rebounds per 100 possessions last season. That translates to about six and a half um, based on the minutes he played. He shoots some three-pointers. So, he, you know, he's a fantasy-friendly player. I think one way or another, whether it's through injuries or earning the playing time, I, I'm just not going to be surprised if he plays 26 to 28 minutes per game. And even if Philly is relatively healthy, that, that sounds like a pretty fair estimate. He should be kind of used as a six-man type of player, and if the situation's right and and Saric is really useful, why wouldn't he close games with the with the first team as well? If if, if it makes sense, which does start moving him towards the, almost thirty minutes again. Yeah, it, 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 wouldn't it be surprising if he like for him to take a step back? I think we're talking about him playing like twenty-two, twenty-three minutes per game. That doesn't – I don't know. He was really good last season. I'd be surprised even with the additions of Simmons and J.J. Redick and Fultz and and hopefully Embiid for a full season. Um, I would be surprised if Saric is the guy who takes a step backwards. I would expect more more like players, uh, you know, like Stauskas and Okafor and T.J. McConnell and, and that group to take a step backwards as far as playing time goes. Well, and that's it too. I mean, you know, everyone says, oh, they got such a deep team and their team is a lot deeper than it's been in, in recent years, but they really don't have any like combo forward types. Yeah, they have like 15 real NBA players for the first time ever, which, you know, that's, that's pretty exciting. But yeah, it's not like they have a... And they have an extremely like super duper talented roster. They just have, you know, really exciting young competent players for and that that is new for them but um i I just don't know that there's so many of them that sarich has to get bumped speaking of uh marco fultz uh, you got him ranked pretty low here uh the projections have him at 153 um you don't really have him um even though he looks like he get a steal and a half a block a game um his shooting does hurt him his free throw does hurt him how do you project um rookies like fultz yeah, that's probably the most, um, I think the most interesting part of these projections was the hardest to figure out is what to do with rookies. Um, because as I said, 
once you start looking at the per 100 possession stats, you realize that players are relatively consistent year to year. But what do you do with the rookies? Um, what I've done, I've developed a, a model. It, it, it's similar to the similar play, similar to the similar players. That similar I to the similar earlier. player. Yeah. Uh, basically, what I do is I look at uh, the college stats of each player. Uh, again, you know, removing, looking at it basically on a per possession basis, and saying who, which players, uh, generally in the same draft area, were similar to. Um, and then look at how they did in the pros their first season. And, you know, one thing that I've, I've realized as I've, I've done that with a few exceptions, rookies generally don't produce very well their first season and generally play a lot fewer minutes than people expect them to play. So having Fultz at 28 minutes per game would, would actually, even though that might sound like a timid projection, that would be definitely in the top fifth, you know, the top percentile, uh, I don't know, probably the top 25, fifth percentile of, of rookies, rookie point guards drafted in the top five. It just doesn't always happen that way, that they get so much playing time. I think he's in an opportune position to get playing time, which is why I've got him there. But it's definitely not like the average of all guards who get drafted in the top five. So um, for that reason, my projections usually recommend staying away from rookies. That's that's a normal strategy without, you know, that's the eye test strategy is that you don't usually draft rookies. They're usually pretty terrible. And those guys, Cat uh, and, and Porzingis were outliers, really, and, and Miles Turner. And to um, give myself credit, um, you know, there's been only a few rookies that my projections have really liked over the years. Carl um, Anthony Towns was one. Porzingis was one. Joel Embiid was one. Um, who else? There's been a couple of... Uh, there's been a couple of like uh, lower level players. Um, Zizic is one of them. Denzel Valentine's that really like this year, Zach Collins rated really high. Um, oh. I don't know that he'll get the playing time that he needs to uh, be worth anything in a standard league draft, but he's uh, you know, in a deeper league or a dynasty league draft, he may be worth picking up. I know Atlanta's got some room to, for people to play. So. Yeah, sorry, not John Collins, although he ranked pretty high too. That's John uh, Collins. This, this is this is uh, Portland Zach Collins, the guy they picked tenth. They they uh, traded up and picked tenth. Oh yeah, that's right. So ter- Tyler has to keep me on the name of where people are. Yeah, he had a terrible <laughs> summer league. Um, yes, he- and and people are kind of out on him, but his college production suggests he could be a pretty good NBA player. He looks awful small still, just like a kind of a frail body, which I don't love. Uh but I think that in time he could be a real good player. So I got another rookie question for you. Is that, are you pegging Dennis Smith to be one of the biggest quote unquote busts this year? Then Um, a lot of people are super high on him because they don't see another starting point guard there in Dallas. And they think he's going to get a ton of minutes. And obviously your projections are not super high on him. So what are you thinking about Dennis Smith? Yeah. So where do we have him ranked? Uh, 146th in eight category leagues. So here, here's here's the things that worry me probably in order about Dennis Smith is Rick Carlisle has has not been like a a huge uh, advocate of rookies and has always had sort of a tumultuous relationship with point guards outside of like historic great Jason Kidd. Um, so that that concerns me. Is Dennis Smith really going to be able to play a bunch of minutes this season? I haven't put like what I think it's at twenty nine or twenty eight and a half, which 
again, for a guy who was drafted ninth in the, if you went back and looked at all of the ninth uh, overall picks and how many minutes they played in their first season, I would guess that Dennis Smith playing 28 and a half for 29 minutes per game would rank uh, probably near in the top five of all time. There's just not a lot of guys get drafted that low who play more minutes than that. So to think that he's actually going to get 34 or 35 minutes per game, he would, he'd be first a historical outlier, which happens, but I'm worried that if Rick Carlisle will actually do that, or if he'll, he'll, you know, end up using JJ Barea and Devin Harris and kind of point guard by committee. Yogi Pharrell. Don't, don't forget about the great Yogi Pharrell. He's there not an go. NBA player, Mike. Be quiet. Oh God, he's great. Seth Curry, you know, he, he has all sorts of guard options to use. The other thing is Dennis Smith is no exception here. Rookie point guards generally struggle with their shooting percentages. So in a head-to-head league, I think Dennis Smith will be more interesting where you could choose to punt those. Um, in a in a roto league or a head-to-head league where you care about percentages and turnovers, I think Dennis Smith is really going to struggle in those categories if if he, in fact, has a heavy load to carry in that Dallas offense. So um, I think the path to him being a, a – like the scenario where he is – he gets on Rick Carlisle's good side. He plays a ton of minutes and he does so productively and efficiently and is an effective fantasy player is a pretty low probability scenario. There you go. You heard it straight from the horse's mouth, people. I think, you know, yeah, I think don't, the others don't the waste your, your, your fifth round pick on Dennis Smith. Yeah. I think the scenario where he maybe doesn't play as much as everybody thinks, or he does play a lot of minutes, but he struggles with his efficiency numbers I think those are way more likely. Now, there's always historical aberrations, and maybe Dennis Smith is one of those. I just don't want to use a draft pick in my fantasy draft, assuming that we're going to get a historical aberration. Especially at where other people are willing to pick him. I mean, if it's your last pick in your standard league draft, okay, cool. I mean, I'm fine with that. But if it's you know in the top 75, I just don't see that working out well. Yeah. And I I might even be willing to go a little higher on him because there is some upside there that not every other player has, but I just think there's a lot of downside. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dennis Smith on a lot of waiver wires come December or January. It's happened to a lot of high, high upside promising rookies in the past. Oh, definitely. And so, so is there any guys you actually do see, uh, taking a reach for when when you're drafting, are there any guys who projected uh, to take a leap or a group of a group of guys who you think are worth um, maybe maybe looking earlier in the draft than most people expect? Yeah, and and of course, I mean the the thing that we always talk about and we always preach. Um, it all depends on your league settings, right? Know your league settings because if you play with turnovers or you don't play with turnovers or you focus on percentages that that changes the value of players uh, pretty drastically um but you know if we're just talking about a standard eight category league i think the players that i and i haven't gone out and done a lot of research on whether where other people have these players um you know i've got westbrook third which is is lower than most people have him i've got harden and curry above him i, I probably a little higher on curry than everybody else is is the consensus i'm gaining um I don't feel bad about that. Curry, even as a rookie, has been a phenomenal fantasy producer. Even when he was dealing with all of those injuries, he's just a very fantasy-friendly player. Um, I think I probably have Nikola Jokic. I, 
I don't know actually where he's coming out in drafts. I've got him ranked like in the top top twelve or thirteen, depending yeah. on league format. Which I, I think I, he's I, starting to move into that into that top even the top ten discussion. In in yeah. he's got a lot of hype behind him. Okay, so maybe I'm not as high on him as as I think I am. Um, I was surprised to see how how high he came out. Frankly, um, let's see who else. Miles Turner, I know, has been has gotten a lot of hype as well. He is 23rd in my rankings. Um, and Bede is probably the very most difficult guy to to value on a per possession basis. He's he's essentially the best player in the league. I think he came out uh, slightly below. I, actually, I can give you those numbers right now. Yeah, I think best. it's impossible to figure out. He's going to win people some leagues. So my best players on a per possession basis are Steph Curry, one, Russell Westbrook, two, and Joel Embiid, three, right above. Yeah. And, and there's not much difference between, honestly, between Westbrook and Embiid. Embiid's higher than Harden. He's higher than Durant. He's higher than Kawhi Leonard. He's higher than Anthony Davis. He's higher than Jokic and Towns and Cousins and Giannis and everybody else. Um, so, like, but he's never played more than last season. He played 40 games and he was on a minutes restriction. So I honestly have no idea where I'm going to try to draft him this season. I've got him ranked as a, you know, again, as your baseline, I've got him ranked 28th. And I think you can make a great case that he should be ranked way lower than that. And a, and a good case that he should be ranked higher than that. And I, I don't know. I'll probably steer clear of him this season, but uh, man, if you get him in the third round and he ends up playing 30 minutes a game, you probably can make a lot of mistakes and still win your fantasy league. Yeah. My guess is he, he will be taken in the second round and he is someone people should target in the third round. That's, that's probably where it's exactly going to end up. Um, usually older, you know, older players that are kind of post hype players, that my projection system still likes um, are are valued nicely. So, you know, uh, Amber Walker, I've got 18th. I don't know if if that's necessarily where where he's being drafted in other leagues. Paul, Paul, uh, Paul Millsap, Mark Gasol are still relatively high in my rankings. Um, you want to hear a couple that jumped out to me, Mark, that that were higher than I, what I'm quote unquote consensus. I mean, that's always hard to say. Um, it's a lot of the guys Mark's traditionally liked a lot. Ricky Rubio's 34th. Um, I think on a lot of the big sites, he's ranked in the 50s or 60s again, which I always think is kind of a mistake. Um, Quint, um, go ahead. Yeah, no, so Rubio, you know, he's got two elite categories. He's an elite assist guy. He's an elite steals guy. Uh, if he shot a few more free throws, he'd be an elite free throw guy. He's a very good rebounder. Um, maybe he's the guy in Utah that gets more points per game. And then, and then even if you draft him in the third round, you've got to steal. I don't know why Rubio is, is so often ranked low. Um, if his, if his elite categories were, I don't know, say points and assists instead of points, instead of steals and assists, he would probably rank 20 spots higher. Uh, but for some reason, because his points total is low, I think he gets dropped a lot of well, rankings. Well, and I, I think too that he's he's really good at one of the smallest numbers in steals, and he's bad in the biggest number, which is points. And yeah. so people have a hard time kind of melding those numbers down to, like you say, Z scores. 
and they look at them as just like, oh, he only averages 10 points a game. What a fool. Right. Um, yep, another no, guy. I, I, I feel great about Rubio. I'd, I'd be happy to draft him at, at spot 50. Yeah, me too. Another guy that, that looks higher than what kind of the consensus have him is Quinn Capella. Um, it's another guy you're kind of always on. And I never really know why people hate this guy so much, but I'll, I'll let you uh, say your bit about Clint Capella, ranked 59th. Yeah, and I've actually got, um, to the degree that people have looked at our rankings, I've gotten a little bit of feedback that says uh, they think I've got him ranked too low. Um, wow. Who are these people? Yeah, uh, good question. I know uh, Joey definitely thought he should uh, should be a little bit higher. Um, so, the, I mean, the great thing about Capella is um, – he on a per possession basis, he he's nearly in rebounds. He gets a lot of block shots. He shoots a really high percentage. He scores a little bit. Um, he he gets some steals as well. I think the I think even his projections are a little bit uh, skewed by the fact that he played so much with Dwight Howard and he played out of position. Um, that said, he's never played a lot of minutes in his life uh, in any of the seasons before. I've only got him projected at twenty six minutes per game. Um, if we bump that up and had him play, you know, normal starters minutes, like 28 or 30 minutes per game or, or 32, he would really shoot up the rankings. And I don't think those are uh, scenarios that are totally out of the question. So like I said, I've got him at 26 minutes per game. If we bump his, his minutes projection up to say like 30 minutes per game, um, I think he he shoots up. I think he's pretty easily a top fifty player. And then if you're in a head to head league where you're punting free throw percentage, which is, I mean, he's made drastic improvements in his free throw percentage. He's gone from seventeen percent to thirty eight percent to fifty three percent. So, uh, all terrible percentages, but an improvement nonetheless. Um, if he improves at all in the free throw percentage, or if you're punting free throw percentage, uh, again, I think he he climbs the rankings pretty high there. He's just really, really good. Uh, he's, he's averaged at least 16 rebounds per 100 possessions every season of his career. Uh, he's averaged at least two and a half blocks per 100 possessions every season of his career. Uh, he's been good at steals. Last season, he averaged 25 points per 100 possessions um, as, he, as he jumped up to, to 12 points per game. I just don't know what there isn't to like about the guy. And now he's not just in a uh, pick and roll situation with Harden. He's now in a yeah. pick and roll situation with CP3 and Harden. So I think that's kind of that's, that's pretty wild. He, he should definitely get a little uptick on on some of that. Um, if you I go out to Yahoo average uh, draft position right now, Clint Capella seventy one point eight. So he he could be a nice little steal. And if, uh, right. head, and if you're playing head to head and you're willing to. Free throw percentage, I think he's going to, you know, Capella's going to go up even higher. Here's another thing I'll say, too, that I think those average draft positions are skewed a little bit now in the sense that I think most of the people are drafting are people who are, A, really into it, or people who are, B, in the know. Uh, when you get kind of the the layman drafting, some of those guys like Clint Capella, I think, slip even a little bit further. And So if I punt free throw percentage and just worry about the other seven categories, I've got Clint, Clint Capella ranked 31st even at 26 minutes per game. And there's Ooh. nobody in the rankings higher than him that is playing less minutes. So you can see, I mean, you can just see what a what a uh, high potential player he is. 
Well, that that is bad news because we are going to be doing a uh, listener league here um, on uh, Watching the Boxes. And now everyone who's listening now knows that Clint Capella is a hot commodity. So, Mike, I, I want you to take Mark to task on his Blake Griffin ranking because I know you're the biggest Blake Griffin fan oh out there. Oh, my God. So I am – I'm bought in, and, I, and I'm fully aware that this is going to be a mistake and, and the downfall of my season for multiple of my leagues. But Blake Griffin, when, um, when the ball is turned over to him, when he becomes – Point Blake, as as he is known, uh, turns Tell into that's not a real thing. Point Blank, Point Blank, which is a, a great movie, but Point Blake um, turns into uh, close to a triple double machine. Now that was like three years ago, and only about a month's worth of evidence that he could be someone who approaches could be a you know a twenty one eight and seven type of of player. But uh, yeah. you have him projected at twenty one eight and five, which is really not that terrible. Uh, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, his per, he's another guy that uh, he's hurt. We don't think he's going to play at the start of the season, and so his games projection is is low. Uh, but I think when he gets back and gets healthy, I think, you know, but that line you just read off is a, is a pretty reasonable expectation. I think you can make a case that he'll do better than that. So it's not so much that I don't like Blake Griffin or don't think he can put up stats. I actually really like um, – I think he's a good player if you decide to to punt certain categories. So, for example, if you're punting blocks and you're trying to load up on assists and if he is forward center eligible in a head-to-head league and you can get the five to six assists that he's going to average out of him, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to be in really good shape. Um, he is yeah. obviously held back in most – you know, in standard leagues by the fact that he doesn't get a lot of defensive stats. He's never – you know, stills and blocks. He's barely averaged a steal last season. He's never averaged more than a half a block per season. He doesn't shoot over 59 or 50% from the field. He doesn't shoot over 80% from the free throw line. Um, there's just a lot of things. He doesn't fill up all of the categories. He's kind of like does well in points, rebounds, and assists. I wouldn't even say he does well on rebounds. He kind of just does average for a big man. So he, he's really a points and assists guy. And, and usually players that get limited down to two categories uh, don't have the highest ceiling in the world, but I do think he fits nicely on a lot of, I end up with Blake Griffin a lot when I, when I start punting kind of weird categories. If I punt, you know, field goal percentage and blocks, I end up with Blake Griffin as my center a lot. Okay. And what round are you taking him in? Cause Mike and I had a, a decent debate about this the other week. So what round, if you're in, so in a head to head league, when, when what do you think about him? When, when, uh, when's he going to be healthy? Well, I mean, we're, we're all in the same boat there. None of us are super sure, but I would say I'm, that it's it's probably safe to say he misses 20 games because he's missed 20 games every season for the last how many? So let's Forever. see. Blake Griffin last last year missed 21 games. Season before that, he missed way more. Season before that, he played 67. So he hasn't played 70 games in, in three straight seasons. Uh, I hate drafting players that are currently hurt that, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Blake Griffin and, and those guys, he's, it's so easy for those one month injuries to stretch into two months. And then you're, you're on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Yeah, especially with someone like Isaiah Thomas, that, that could linger. That could be ongoing. All of a sudden his production's down, even when he is playing and he's missing, you know, weeks at a time here and there. And that, that can really just ruin a, a pick that you tried to take a, a, at the right spot. 
Yeah, so what I've got Blake Griffin ranked. What let's see, what what is he showing up on the website right now? Um in eight category, fifty-third, playing sixty-two games. So that's what in a twelve team league that puts him in the fifth round. I'm not I'm okay with the fourth or fifth round pick on Blake Griffin. I'm probably not taking him in the third round. I'm definitely not taking him in the third round or any higher than that. Can we count that as a point for me, Mike? Can we count that as a point in my my ledger? No, I think you had him much lower than that. No, I said to take him in the fourth or fifth round, and you were like, "No, take him in the second or third. I did not say second. Well, I'll have to go back on the tape and uh, and look at that. I'm telling you, you're wrong. Probably about this. said end of third, reach in the, in the or middle of third, reach in the bottom of the second if you need to. Yep. See, you're wrong, man. I'm telling you. I don't know about that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm probably that and. By the way, I don't know that that's the wrong decision. I'm just not. That's not a decision I'm making this year because, yeah, I don't. I don't want to have to worry about his injury problems. Well, I really like the way you, Mark. I thought you were on my it. side. Don't defend Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like the way you presented as look at it as an over under, right? And so you look at what he could do. It could be. It could be better. It could be worse. And some of these guys have a, a stronger variance than others. Um, and someone I, I'm kind of looking at in the rankings as someone who took a real drop last year uh lamarcus aldridge he's got some good numbers uh in previous seasons which i probably went into what the projections are looking at having him um i guess if you look at it uh, totals without turnovers uh even though lamarcus the turnovers things for marcus actually helps him um lamarcus is ranked 56th and that's a, a little bit higher than he was last year does the fact that if someone falls off, so let's say LaMarcus just takes a hard fall. This uh, Last year he took a bad fall. This year it's even worse. Do do the projections really work well with someone who just falls off the planet if they're looking kind of like three, four seasons back? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's going to take all of those pieces of information. It's going to rely most heavily on what happened last season actually is, is how it works my biggest weight is going to be on what happened last season, but it does, you know, it does kind of estimate that there's a scenario where Aldridge kind of regresses to the mean last year was the aberration and that he gets better. Um, With that said, his similar players right now at this point in his career, we're looking at, at uh, Sam Perkins, a young Sam Perkins, Luis Scola, Rick Smith, Al Jefferson, David West, uh, Mark Gasol, the original Larry Nance. Um, you know, those aren't real like athletic guys. Those aren't guys that are getting a lot of, uh, that, you, you, that are like spry youngsters. So uh, most of those players decreased, you know, they're, they, they, they're trending downwards. So for example, they're, I think, you know, if we look at his, uh, his points per possession, I expect them to go down about 7% next season. I think his steals and rebounds take about a 4% hit. I think his uh, his shooting percentage goes down a couple of percentage points. So I think he's on the downward side on a per possession basis. That's no knock against him. That's just what happens to power forwards on their age 31, age 32 season. It's pretty common for that to happen. So um, it's a little bit of a mix, right? I don't, I don't, I think probably the, the uh, performance he put up last season is is unlike any other season he had it's a bigger drop-off than you would expect at this point in his career 
but I do I don't think that there's any chance he gets back to the Portland or even year one San Antonio levels of production. I think it's probably at or maybe a little bit better than last season, but I think this is kind of the new normal for him. The problem is, though, I think everybody kind of took that data point from last season and, and just projects that he's going to be even worse next season. And I, I think that's probably a little presumptuous to expect that there isn't, there isn't some regression to the mean in, in his production. I think it makes perfect sense to always try to look at the what, what's the what's the actual mean here, and assume assume the mean is not really a bad way uh, of looking at your at projections for next year. Yeah, um, yeah. So even even his stats, which you would say probably took a took a dip. Um, you know, his first season in San Antonio, he took twenty three and a half shots per one hundred possessions. Last season, he took twenty three shots per one hundred possessions. Uh, first season, he got to the line 6.8 times for 100 possessions. Last season, it was six. Um, he shot a few more three-pointers last season, which was unusual. His offensive rebounds, he had four the first season, 3.8 last season. His assists were up a little bit. His steals were up a little bit. His blocks were up a little bit. So his scoring percentage went his, – his shooting percentage went down. But I think that might be a function of three-pointers, his three-point shots, more than almost anything else. I think um, I, I just think he's he's changing the the phase he is at in his career. I, I don't know that I see a huge. I, I don't know if I think last season was as disappointing as as most people assume. I, I just don't. You know, the Spurs don't play people as much as the the, the Blazers do, and so he's not going to get the same amount of playing time. He always played thirty six, thirty five minutes per game in Portland. I think those days are definitely over for him. But you know that seventeen. Point seven rebounds, two assists, one block, sort of stat line that he put up last season. I think is 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 probably doable again, if not a little bit better. All right, my turn. I'm yeah. ready for that. Cool. All right. So you you said that minutes were the most important thing, and and I'm with you there. But I'm going to talk about one guy who, even with 30 minutes a game, his projections looking not so hot, and that's Brandon Ingram. Now, Brandon Ingram was pretty bad for quite a while last season and then played a little better near the end. Um, even in 30 minutes a game, he is ranked 177th, and he is playing projected to play 78 games. So you are not believing in a step forward for Brandon Ingram this year, Mark? I am believing in a step forward. Uh, he was really bad last season, like really almost historically bad last season. On a per 100 possession, so think about all the numbers that we've been citing that, you know, 25 and 30 and 35 points per 100 possessions. He averaged 16 points per 100 possessions last season. That's uh, bad. That's really bad. And he averaged six re- 6.8 rebounds per 100 possessions, which is really bad for a forward. Uh, and for three- someone as tall with as long arms as he has, too. I mean, that's just really yeah. bad. Um. On a per possession basis last year, I think he was so so take away playing time, just look at how everybody did on a per possession basis last year. I think he ranked about three hundred three hundred and twenty-fifth is, is what I have got him at. Uh his ranking was similar out there. So he was outside the top three hundred just on what he gave you every single possession compared to all the other players in the league. Um so I do think he improves. Um his similar players though are not that promising. Uh Xavier Henry, C.J. Miles, uh, James Young, Austin Rivers, Martel Webster. 
the two promising ones that I've got in his list, Jakar Sanson actually shows up on his. There's three guys that are promising in his. So he's kind of got a spotted similar players. Giannis Antetokounmpo comes up as his fifth most similar player. Uh, Gordon Hayward uh, and uh, Harrison Barnes. Now, if you remember, Gordon, I mean, Gordon Hayward and Antetokounmpo are, are extremely good players at this point in their career. If you go back and look at their rookie season, which is in their career that they were similar to Ingram, they were both very, very poor players. So I think that, you know, if he's going to improve and get better, that's the trajectory that he has to follow. But they took remarkable steps forward every single season to get to where they're at. Um, so I expect him to get, you know, significantly better in, in several of his categories. My, my projections have him getting at least 10% better in his points, blocks, steals, assists, rebounds, uh, some of them up to 20% better. I think he takes a lot more field goal attempts. I think he takes more uh, free throw attempts. I think he takes more three-pointers. He's just got a long ways to go before he becomes fantasy relevant. And and any sort of him getting to any sort of relevant, really good fantasy level is either going to take an extremely high playing time or a, a uh, an improvement on his per 100 possession uh, stats that's way better than Gordon Hayward or Antetokounmpo had. So you're not even like looking at him in the standard league? No, not really. I mean, the, the leaps that, and even Gordon Hayward, but the leap that the leaps that Giannis took year by year were, were fairly staggering and, and leaps like that are pretty rare. Exactly. Um, and, and he has to outperform those leaps. Like he has to have, he has to take like one and a half or two Giannis leaps uh, per season for him to be really interesting this season. Giannis uh, leaps should be I, I, a good adjective for everything. I like Giannis leaps. Uh, I just don't, I, I'm not going to bet on that. It, it's possible. It, it, there's not like a 0% chance that that happens, but I, I don't want to bet anything that that's going to happen next season. There's a chance he ends up really good. There's also a chance that he ends up being CJ Miles or James Young, I think. Well, and he, and like you said earlier, he didn't really show us anything last year that should like get us really excited. And yet, I see people like picking him right around pick a hundred in drafts sometimes, and it's like he was one of the worst players in NBA history who's ever gotten uh, from a purely production, just looking at their stats, one of the worst players that's ever gotten 28 minutes per game. Now it makes sense, right? The Lakers were terrible. They were trying to lose. They want to get their young guys some playing time. He has a ton of potential, but just as far as what he put up across the board, there's been very few people that have been as unproductive as he has and has played as many minutes. Yeah. He he is only 20. So the ability to take a leap is still, is still within there, but there wasn't a lot of games or outlier games where, you had to stop what you were doing and go check out the, the Brandon Ingram game. You know, no one on Twitter was like Brandon Ingram alert. Like yeah. that didn't happen you, last year. I can give you a lot of other players that uh, were high potential guys that flamed out that are, you know, had similar first seasons to him. Nikolai Schizavili from Denver in 2002. Um, wow. You know, it's that's bad a, when you got to read the guy. team and the year, you know, that's a bad guy when you got to read the team and the year. Atlanta's rookie lottery pick from 2000. I remember him. I like he was he he should have been good. Stanley Johnson. Um, oh, we had a discussion about him last time about how Stanley Johnson can't play. 
just just a ton of guys. And, and like I said, there are a few of those guys that were terrible in the first season, like Giannis and Gordon Hayward and Harrison Barnes that eventually progressed out of those. And I think Ingram could do that. I just not not next season. Maybe year three, maybe year four. And and I guess my overall point that I wanted to make here was not only am I not believing in a breakout, but I'm thinking even if the Lakers come out tomorrow and say he's playing 35 minutes a game, I still don't think he's going to be that good. He won't be. So thirty. here's what I've got him for. thirty. So, again, this is factoring in pretty significant improvements in every single category for him. Um, if we bumped him up to 35 minutes a game, I think he averages something like 12 points, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, a half a block on like 42% shooting and like 64% from the line. Uh, He might get up to one three-pointer. He's probably like, you know, that's that's something he probably can be drafted at point, especially in like a 12-team league. But um, he's, he's, you know, he's probably a borderline player at that point. Nothing more than a flyer. Um, Tyler, do you have any other other questions for Mark? Any any other players that are really pissing you off there at the bottom of the uh, other rankings? No, I, I'm happy. Uh, it was great to have Mark on in the sense that Mark has just thought about this a ton, and he's always very knowledgeable about what he's talking about. So it's always good to uh, talk to Mark. Hey, thanks, yeah, Tyler. These, these projections are, are really uh, some of the best I've, I've seen uh, and why I, I started I, using them over the last couple of years. Um, there's I said a lot of fun. Twitter, and I'll stand by it. Best projections on the web, man. They're the best ones out there. Uh, that's, yeah, we, that's that's very kind of you guys to say. I you know work work hard on them. Obviously, I um I think it's a good like we said before. It's a good baseline. It's a good expe- a place to kind of center your over under for a player. But certainly, if you have uh, strong feelings about a player, if you think Dennis Smith is going to be awesome, don't don't listen to what I say. Go go draft with your gut. Make sure you end up with the team of players you like because you're going to be stuck with them most likely for the rest of the season. Yeah, we we really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about these projections and uh, bringing the gang back together. Uh, do you have any uh, anything else you want to plug or anything else going on that you have planned for the season? Uh, no, so, yeah, just a reminder, if if, uh, if you want to play no halftime, use the promo code B-A-L-L. You get a $5 uh, credit to your account. And... I think Tyler has committed and is willing to, uh, we've done this before. I think for the last four seasons, I think Tyler is willing to help me out this season to do custom rankings. So we can take these same projections. You give us your league parameters, how many teams you have, what categories you use. I I always have a couple of guys who play in 20 category leagues. Uh, We can accommodate that pretty quickly and produce rankings fit just for your league. I think that's one of the most important things maybe to, to, to sign off on is every, you know, fantasy basketball, there are so many different leagues and different league parameters and not every league, you know, if you make a custom league that uses weird categories, you can't expect the same players to be at the top of the rankings. So make sure you, you know, your league settings, make sure you know that how that affects your rankings. And if you don't know, um, you can reach out to me or Tyler or, Mike or whoever on Twitter and ask for custom rankings, give us your league parameters and we can send you uh, custom rankings. Where, uh, where can we find you on Twitter? So uh, at Mark F Roberts, uh, that's Mark with a C and middle initial F. 
Uh, come on, you you got to say your your famous thing. Come on, start over. To say it, say it right. It's it's a tag. It's a phrase, man. You you got the uh, copyright. I'm I'm out of practice, I guess. Uh, Mark Mark with a C, just like Marcus Saul. There you go. That's what, what happens when Marcus Saul retires. I, <laughs> I, uh, what are the kids gonna do in ten years? Like, who the hell is Marcus Saul? Oh man, I hope I hope nobody ever asks that. Marcus Saul is probably my favorite, not just because of his name. He's one of my favorite players in the league, for sure. I always end up drafting Marcus Saul. He always ends up falling. He's so good. Uh, He's so fun to watch. Uh, just to sit down and, and like watch watch him play basketball. He's one of the uh, part of what I love about Marcus Saul is he's got like the least defined arms in the in the NBA. They just look like flabby, but he's so he's so dang good anyways. Yeah, I even once he came has the dad bod. He does. Yeah, <laughs> he's all super handsome too. Uh, I once came to uh, almost a, a severe bar argument in LA. Uh, during Marcus Gasol's uh, like defensive player of the year year, uh, over some guy who was trying to who was b- trying to fight me basically because I said Marcus Gasol was better than Paul Gasol at the time. Oh yeah, and I was like, this is not even an argument. Everyone everyone agrees with me. <laughs> if you're in well, LA, man, I don't know anything about basketball. He didn't say that. He did with his he, like the other words he that. said. Yeah. He implied it. He definitely said that. No, LA uh, LA fans, they're. Uh... They definitely have their own beliefs over there. There's something else. So yeah, if if, if people want those custom rankings, uh, if you're in a crazy league, see Mark is much nicer than I am. If you if you came to me and said I am in a 20 category league, I would tell you to drive off a cliff. But Mark is saying I'm I'm going to help you. I'm going to do some custom rankings for you. So if you want those custom rankings, uh, Mark F. Roberts. Just, yeah, not just rankings. We give auction values too. Yeah. Oh, wow. And here's the greatest thing about that. Okay, is you have a leg up on everyone you play against like a huge leg up because yeah, and, and, and you can do the same thing. You can say, well, I think John Wall is going to have a breakout, you know, an even better season. So you can bump them up a little bit, but at least it gives you a really good starting point for your leagues. Yeah, these I'm are, these that. are incredibly valuable um, pieces of information. And so uh, Tyler, if they want to get at you, where, where are you at on the, on, on Twitter? Cause I hate saying your Twitter name. Uh, you can find me at Watsy four 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 four. So that's my last name with a Y, and then four number fours. Four fours. You got anything you want to plug? Anything coming out? I saw that preview. I, I see you doing the draft uh, NBA draft preview out there. Yeah, so I did a mock draft, um, and that thing was a beast, like ten thousand words. So if you are into the draft at all, the two thousand eighteen NBA draft, check it out. It is worth your time. It is. Uh, it is well done, and I, I definitely read through uh the quite a bit of it since i am very interested in draft picks and draft players and no one on the chicago bulls tweeted me i'm at watch the boxes that's all one word and all those words are spelled correctly and there's no extra numbers so um and if you like the podcast you like what you hear uh feel free to give us a, a, a review and a rating on itunes or wherever you download podcasts or tell a friend tell a relative, spray paint our name of their podcast on the side of a building, Uh, do whatever you can to get the word out. And really, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.